3: Everybody, it is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You will hear the show and its entirely shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Thanks for jumping on, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful start to the week. There is a lot to discuss. I am actually technically on vacation. I, my presence on social media will be very minimal this week. I'm trying to just recharge the old batteries, take a step back, if you will. But I didn't want to leave you guys hanging with this show. Definitely want to do BTL, uh, but as far as like the day-to-day writing and the grind and the news chasing and all of that, not happening this week. We're just gonna we're just gonna chill out a little bit and do some things that I would like to do. So this might actually be kind of a crazy show because for those who have been watching like all the video content on MMA fighting for the last year or probably like six months or so, the command center has continued to change places. We've been in so many different spots since I got to MMA fighting. We've been in two different States. We've been in multiple different floors, different rooms, And finally, I feel like I have the perfect space. Command Center 4.0, which we converted our garage into the new studio. So we have like all sorts of fun stuff. The problem with Command Center 4.0 and living in South Carolina is that Command Center 4.0 is like a thousand degrees. It's hotter in Command Center 4.0 than it is outside. If it's 100 degrees outside, it's like 110 degrees in my little space there. And you've probably seen me turn red and sweat bullets probably on every single show. But today, that is going to be a thing of the past because finally we have somebody out. He's venting the new air conditioner we're putting in, a little standing unit. But at least it's not going to be 5,000 degrees in that room anymore. So very excited by the time I come back. Probably by the time we do BTL this week, the room will be much cooler. I won't be a glistening mess doing all these shows, and I won't be sweating bullets. So that's all. That's very exciting stuff. So if I have to sort of pause the show, not really pause the show, but if you don't hear anything for a couple minutes, that's because I'm talking to the guy who's here literally right now, drilling holes in the command center and, and getting everything situated with that. So if I have to take a breather and talk to him, That's where I've gone. So don't fret. Don't worry about it. It'll be very minimum, and then we'll continue on. But we are coming off the heels of UFC Vegas 60. Big win for Corey Sanhagen. It was a night of gnarly gashes. I thought he looked fantastic. I thought Song Yudong proved a lot in that fight. I think he answered a lot of questions. Despite losing that fight, Corey Sanhagen's in a very interesting position in this kind of bantamweight little Grand Prix tournament, sort of number one contender battle amongst three or four different dudes. He looked good. He looked real good. And like I said, Song is going to be a player in this division for years to come. 24 is going to turn 25 in December. Very impressed with what he did. Very impressed with what Corey Sanhagen did. Very impressed with what Robocop Gregory Rodriguez did. The guy basically... His nose was about to freaking fall off his face and he still came back, still knocked out a very tough dude in Cheedy and Jokawani. Big win for him. Stock rose quite a bit. I was very impressed with him as well. And Cheedy, Cheedy looked good in that first round. And Gregory Rodriguez able to sort of overcome the storm and battle back and just get a crazy win. I thought David Jackson's win was incredible. I thought Andre Feely's win was incredible. Joe Pfeiffer was being Joe Pfeiffer. And Anthony Hernandez looks spectacular. Rodrigo Nascimento, eh, it was a win. Not anything we're going to write home about, but all in all, it was probably as good as that card could have been. I set it on to the next one. The best way to describe it, it was memorable and not memorable all at the same time. But we get a rare week off from the UFC. We got Bellator back this week. They're in Dublin. Benson Henderson versus Peter Queeley, the main events. We got the return of Yoel Romero against Melvin Manhoof. So a lot of coverage on that coming up throughout the week on MAFighting.com. But the big news of this week is not New York Rick getting a just an unbelievable haircut. The second best haircut given in the MMA media space in the history of MMA media. Not MJF showing up on Ariel Hawani's show. Not Action Bronson showing up on the show, as cool as that was. But the big news, Jose Aldo has announced his retirement from mixed martial arts competition. And the UFC has agreed to release him from his contract. Now, a lot of people kind of curious with what's going on there. A lot of people are saying, well, he's going to go to the PFL. He's going to go to Bellator. I would be stunned if that happened uh, from all accounts his release was basically with the principle that he's not fighting in MMA anymore. He can go fight, he can go box, which is something he's wanted to do, but I don't think we're going to see Jose Aldo compete in mixed martial arts anymore. And that's fine. I don't think he has anything more to prove in the sport of mixed martial arts. And I don't think him going to the PFL or Bellator or one or any of those other promotions and trying to vie for those titles. It would be a cool moment for him if he could add those things to his resume. But what he wanted most was to have a chance to fight for a UFC title one last time. He knew his career was winding down. He had told people in multiple interviews, I'm going to win the belt and then I'm going to retire once I win the belt. And what does the UFC do? They book him in just the most egregious way possible. They book him in altitude against freaking Marab Willie when he probably should have got the title fight to begin with. I just thought, like, and I said it from the get-go, the matchmaking was, was atrocious. It was terrible matchmaking. And I had people sort of like bark back at me, say, well, if this guy's going to get to a title, he had to fight Marab. What are you talking about? He did not have to fight Marab. In fact, that win over Cheeto Vera has aged about as well as any win in that division right now. It's incredible with that how well that, that victory over Marlon Vera has aged. And the performances he had, winding down his career, you should have, if you weren't gonna book him for a title fight, you should have booked him against Dominic Cruz, you should have booked him against Frankie Edgar. If you're gonna give him, if you're gonna make him fight one more time before fighting for the belts, those were the fights. Scratch off those bucket list fights. But instead, you put him against Marab Dewellish Willie in altitude in a fight that no one's ever going to talk about again. I mean, now we're going to have to talk about it because it's the final fight of his career, but that's the last taste we get from Jose Aldo as a competitor in mixed martial arts, and it stinks. Now, it's a different situation had you booked him against a young, hungry whippersnapper that could get over beating Jose Aldo. Unfortunately, Marab, while getting a win, and it's an important win, didn't get him over all that much. It didn't advance him in this little tournament at all. It just puts him in a position where he's going to have to win at least one, maybe two more fights, depending on what happens when Sean O'Malley fights Pieter Jan. But be that as it may, I thought the last fight, the last booking of his career was dog shit. But it is what it is. Aldo's not a guy that's going to say no. He went in there, fought his ass off, and lost. And now that's it. So there's a lot of talk about the legacy of Jose Aldo, at worst, no matter who you are, he is a top 10 fighter of all time. If he's not one of your top 10 fighters in the history of the sport, you got to go back. I know there's a, a lot of newer fans that didn't get to see the WEC Jose Aldo or the, or the Jose Aldo that first got into the UFC pre the Conor McGregor knockout. Nobody got to, see, not a lot of people from the newer fans went back and looked at the history of Jose Aldo and some of the performances he had, and some of the big wins that he had, and some of the moments that he had. And then he gets knocked out by Conor McGregor, and we fe- everyone feels like this dude is done. And then he goes out and gets more wins, and he fights Alexander Volkanovsky, and gets kind of run over in that fight, and everybody thinks he's done again. And then he goes to 135, and everybody thinks he's, what are you doing, Jose? You couldn't even make 145. You're going to try to make 135? And he makes the wait to fight Marl Moraes. Most people felt he beat Marl Moraes. Didn't get the rub. Didn't get the win. I thought he got hosed a little bit. Not a robbery, but he, I thought he got hosed. But they give him a title shot anyways. And he goes in there and fights the killer Piotr Jan. And that is a fight that I don't think Jose Aldo gets a lot of credit for. I went back and watched that fight the other day just because I wanted to watch it because I remembered it being a lot better than the annals of history suggest and how fans suggest. And I went back and watched that fight. It is an incredibly competitive fight. Now, down the stretch, Jan started getting cooking. Fourth round, that's when the ties started to really turn. And then Jan just put a hellacious beating on him in the fifth round. And the big storyline coming out of that fight was the referee allowed Jose Aldo to take way too much punishment. And while that was true, you got to go back and watch the first three rounds of that fight because they were super close, super competitive rounds. And at that point, we're just like, this guy's done. We've given him so many chances. We've tried so hard to believe that this guy has one more run left in him. And then he goes out, gets a title shot, coming off of a loss. There's no way this guy can make his way back. It's He's done. He's done. Stick a fork at him. And then what does he do? He comes back less a little over five months later and beats Marlon Vera in a win that has aged spectacularly. This was not one of those types of fights where it was like, oh, it was real close. I mean, Vera had his moments, but Jose Aldo won. There was no doubt he won that fight. And then he comes back eight months later and fights Pedro Munoz. And it was a technical masterpiece from Jose Aldo. A technical masterpiece at UFC 265. And Munoz had his moments in that fight, too. But Aldo was just two steps ahead of him. Munoz was playing checkers. And I mean, like, world championship-level checkers. And Jose Aldo was like, you know what beats checkers? Chess, baby. Chess. He was like Bobby freaking Fisher out there playing against a world champion checkers player. And it was spectacular. An incredible performance. And then he fights Rob Font in a fight that if Rob Font had won that fight, he's probably fighting for the title next. And Jose Aldo goes out there and just puts it on Rob Font. Heard him multiple times, took Rob Font down when things got a little hairy. This was an incredible performance from Jose Aldo against Rob Font. And to me, wins over Vera, especially with what Vera had did after you know, has done since. Beating Pedro Munoz the way he beat Pedro Munoz, and then beating Rob Font the way he beat Rob Font. Considering where Rob was at at the time, he deserved a title fight, in my opinion. He deserved a title fight. Unfortunately, he was just in a bad-timed scenario. Timing was not on his side because we were still dealing with the aftermath of the Algebraid Sterling title win over Jan with the illegal knee. We're still waiting to rebook that fight. We just had an interim title win for Piotr Jan. He had to wait. He had to wait. And then we got the title fight. Then we got the title fight. Sterling wins the belt. It's April. TJ Dillashaw is saying, I deserve the shot. Some people agreed with that. I didn't. A lot of other people I, that I speak to and I have a lot of respect for in this industry didn't believe that. I felt Aldo should have got the title shot. I felt Aldo should have been the guy fighting for the belt. Ignore the Murad fight. Tell TJ to wait in line. Let's give Jose Aldo his opportunity to fight for the title one last time. He's already told you his career's winding down. Give him his shot. He is he has earned it. He has earned that right. He has earned that right. And they didn't give it to him. They gave him a Rob. Fine. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. Rob didn't gain much from it. Jose announces his retirement. And, and he's, he's done with MMA. He's done in the UFC. And the UFC lets him go. And they've sung his praises as they should. They will probably continue to do so. And I hope that come January when the UFC goes back to Rio at some point during that main card, they just take 15 minutes instead of showing a promo or going back to the desk or doing something like that. You take that time and you let Jose Aldo come out to run this town. You let him walk in front of that Rio crowd, stand inside that octagon, let him soak up the appreciation the praise and the applause that that man deserves. And you let him have his moment because Michael Bisping didn't get that moment after he retired. When the UFC went back to London, Jose Aldo deserves that moment. And to me, he's at worst top 10 of all time. In my eyes, he is a top five fighter in the history of the sport. And he honestly deserved better on the way out. The UFC actually, releasing him and letting him go pursue other opportunities was very cool. But I think this is probably a little bit of the UFC being like, damn, we screwed that booking up. We screwed that one up, putting him in there with Muram. But it is what it is. What a career this guy had. Unbelievable. I would have loved to have seen him fight Conor McGregor again, but there's a there's a lot of people in the, in the annals of MMA who feel like that's how he's going to be remembered. To me, that's not even close. It was a crazy build, a crazy moment. But, I mean... The, the, one I, the, the one I can't forget. This is one of the first times I've watched. I believe it was, I think, one of the first times that I watched MMA outside of the UFC. This was 2009, WEC 41, June of 2009. The main event was Mike Brown versus Uriah Faber 2 for the WEC featherweight title. Mike Brown won that fight, but the co-main event was a big one that they had hyped up in such a big way. Jose Aldo, who was pretty much next in line to fight for that title, fighting Cub Swanson. And Jose Aldo, eight seconds, flying knee, boom, finished Cub Swanson in eight seconds. I was just like, holy shit. This guy is a monster. And he certainly was. Certainly was as a fighter. That, that knockout was absolutely insane. And then the next fight goes in, beats Mike Brown, finishes him in the second round, wins the belt, then goes on to fight Uriah Faber, dominant decision win, leg kick Aldo. It was a crazy fight, but leg kick Aldo reigns supreme, fights Manny Gamburian, finishes him in the second round, and then he goes off to the UFC. He's the UFC featherweight champion, beats Mark Hominick, mangles his face. Beats Kenny Florian, finishes Chad Mendez, beats Frankie Edgar, beats Korean Zombie, finishes him, beats Ricardo Lamas, goes out against Chad Mendez in just an all-time classic at UFC 179, one of the best title fights you'll ever see. Aldo comes through, wins the belt, and then we don't see him again for another 14 months. That was the build to Conor McGregor, the injury in July that took Aldo out of the fight. People are starting to question his heart, starting to question him. He's afraid of Conor McGregor were things, that I, were things I was hearing in 2015. He's afraid of Conor McGregor. He faked this rib injury. And it was just amazing to me that that's how people felt. And to Conor McGregor's credit, that guy did a spectacular job of rattling Jose Aldo. Because that's exactly what he did. Aldo, Aldo was beat before that fight even started. Because of all that build and everything that happened. And everybody thought he was done. 13 seconds. Boom. Next fight, Frankie Edgar dominates him at UFC 200. Wins the interim featherweight title. Right in front of Conor. Then the two losses to Max Holloway. We're thinking he's done. Boom. Knocks out Jeremy Stevens. Nasty body shot. Ground and pound. Knocks out Hinata Moicano. This guy's career was incredible. I could talk about Aldo's career for another hour. This dude is the is the man. Absolute man. Top five of all time. And you can go to mafighting.com right now. Our own Gear May Cruz put together a, a great collection of stories and praise and tributes from well known fighters' names in Brazil talking about Jose Aldo talking about the legacy that this guy is going to leave behind as a, as a mixed martial arts fighter. And I can't wait to see what this guy does. I hope he goes into boxing. I hope he gets these same opportunities that the Anderson Silvers of the world are getting, that the tired Woodleys of the world were, were getting, that even the Ben Askrens of the world were getting. I hope Jose Aldo gets that opportunity as well. I hope there's a 145, 150-pound Jake Paul that comes along that starts running his mouth and starts talking about MMA And then he fights Jose Aldo and Jose Aldo gets paid, gets that big payday to fight in the boxing ring or whatever this guy wants to do. And whatever it is, you damn best believe that I will be watching and I will pay however much it costs to watch Jose Aldo do it again. So that's my little diatribe on the great Jose Aldo. Run this town, baby. Run this town. So let's get your thoughts on that, or UFC, Vegas, or whatever the hell you want to talk about. I don't care. This is your show. Viking MMA was first in line, so we will go to him, and then we'll just get after this thing uh, for a little while, as the drilling has already commenced for the new air conditioner. Viking, hello.
4: Hello, Mike. Hi, buddy. So the BTL and heck of a morning. Is not going to happen this week, is it right?
3: Nope, it's hap- Nope, they're both happening. I'm doing heck of a morning right now. We're doing it. We're gonna do that this week in BTL, but that's it.
4: All right. I mean I just missed that part. So thank you for the update. Oh, good. Uh, no actually, my question is about Paulo Costa. That uh, Paulo Costa has been chirping lately a lot about Chimire, but. At the same time, he has nothing to lose. He wants that sort of money fights but I don't know if Hamzad has that status or not in the money fight. And the Paolo Costa was a little angry on UFC when they fined him what 30% in in that victory fight. And this is his last fight in UFC contract and after that, he might go to PFL and make more money than he has ever made, according to you all of your BTL panel. So, do you think UFC will give Costa that Hamzad fight, or they will just think that there are other fights at the middle? It's maybe a striker who has less ground game to keep Hamzad out of trouble, maybe the winner of Strickland and Jared Cannonier fight. and. How this win or Paulo Costa would get him the title shot, Hamza Shima a title shot. Thank you, Mike.
3: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if I'm the UFC, we talked about this a lot last week. If I'm the UFC, you're focusing all your attention on making sure that Hamza Shimaev can fight at 170. You're getting him the best nutrition as possible. You're doing everything you can because the fight to make is him versus Colby. That is the one. And I think Colby would take it. I think Colby sees paths to victory there. And Colby understands that this is the biggest fight he can get. This fight with Hamzat would be bigger than him fighting Usman a third time right this second. Now, if he goes out and beats Shemaev and Usman beats Edwards, that third fight is massive. It's gigantic. But Colby is a guy who Wants the biggest fights. Whether they make sense, whether they're a couple a couple years overdue, he wants the biggest fights he can get that are realistic. Such as Woodley. That what that that fight night card was like two years ago at this point. I think I still believe it's the most viewed fight night card in UFC history. And then he got the Masvidal fight. Which was very smart on his part. It was gigantic, got to headline a freaking pay per view, and he got paid to do it. So it was a big fight. It was worth the, you know, the less amount of time to prepare. But for Colby, I mean, that is the biggest fight you can make for either guy right now. That's realistic. They're not giving Hamza a title shot. But if for some reason they can't get Colby on board, you got a pretty darn good backup plan with Paulo Costa. So I think if I'm the UFC, This is probably what they're thinking. They're probably thinking, let's do everything we can to try to make this Colby fight happen. I'm sure Colby is like, I'm not going to sit here and train for this dude for all this time for him to come in at 176 or 177 or 178 and a half. So if I'm Colby, if I'm any welterweight at this point, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about that. But if they see that Hamzat's doing the right stuff and all that, if some if Hamza can make it to the octagon, if he can make it to the scale and make weight, that's the biggest fight they could do. But if Colby's just like, nah, dude, I got to see him make 170 first before I put my body out there like that, which I wouldn't blame him for doing, you got Paul Costa, And what a difference a year makes, huh? Holy smokes. October of last year, this dude was like public enemy number one. Going into the Marvin Vittori fight, everything that happened there, that fight card was garbage, but he made it more interesting. But people were just hating on Paul Acosta, just hating on him. He's like, I ain't fighting at 185. I'm going to fight 195. You know what? I'm not fighting at 195. I'm going to fight 205. It was just crazy. People were killing this man. And now all of a sudden, Paul Acosta is one of the biggest baby faces in the UFC. People love this guy. People love this guy. He's cutting New York Rick's hair, looking like one of the founding fathers. It's just, Paul's just a, he's a, people think he's a delight. Less than a year ago, we were not thinking of Paul Acosta that way. 11 months ago, we were like, this guy sucks. This guy's terrible. He's unprofessional. The UFC should just cut him. We were talking about the UFC cutting him. Heading into that Marvin Vittori fight. And then him and Marvin went out there and had a battle. They beat the hell out of each other. It was a great fight. He lost it. And he comes back and has this fight with Luke Rockhold. And everything he's done since then, the fans have loved. They've loved everything. So it's just it, the same thing could happen to Hamzat too. Although with w- what happened at UFC 279, Hamzat's stock actually rose. He might have gotten a lot of fans against him. But that doesn't mean there's there's like sohudo heat right now where it's like, we didn't want to hear what this dude has to say right now. Like, I don't believe you're going to fight. And then there's Hamzat heat where it's like, we want to see this dude lose, but we're going to spend 75 bucks to watch this guy fight. That's what Hamzat's got right now. Love him or hate him. You're going to watch him. He was still the biggest story at UFC 279. And he will be the biggest story for whatever fight card he's on next. That's just what this guy has done. He's a murderer. He's a killer. And winning changes everything. Winning solves most problems. So whatever Hamza does next, people are going to be watching. That is for sure. But if I'm the UFC, they're looking at the Colby fight first if they can't get that done. Pretty damn good backup plan with Paul Acosta. I assume Paulo – I mean, it's a win-win for Paulo because either he's going to get a damn good deal to extend or sign a new contract – or he's going to go into a fight with Hamzat with all eyeballs upon him for the last fight of his deal. And it, it, win or lose, he's going to be fine. So that's the kind of fight you want on the way out. And if he wins it, oh boy. I don't think he would, but good spot to be in if you're Paul Costa right now. Especially with the way people are, are viewing him. He's got the little baby face turn going on. Let's go to James. James, hello. How you doing, Mike? Good, I'm good,
5: go? thank you. Hey, uh, firstly, I want to give you a shameless plug here. Um, 17-year-old uh, Raul Rosas Jr. fights tonight and uh, I liked your article and interview with him last week, so everybody should go check that out before his fight tonight. Thanks, buddy. Uh, here's my little hypothetical for it. Well, firstly, I agreed with like every single thing you said about Jose or Jose Aldo. He's the absolute man, and uh, we're going to miss him. Wish he would have got that last title shot. But what I wanted to ask you is, the hypothetical is City Kickboxing has hired Mike Hack. They want you to develop the game plan for Izzy in his upcoming fight. What do you do?
3: Wow. First of all, uh, none of those guys would hire me for anything, Uh, nor should they, because I would be terrible for them. If I'm, I mean, I'm not great at like the technical breakdowns. Like there's certain tendencies that I can spot, but I would just, I mean, if you're Izzy, just do what you do. Just keep doing what you're, what you've been doing. And I think I'm I'm still picking Izzy to, I'm picking Izzy to beat Alex Pereira. I don't think he's going to do anything all that different. I just think he's going to be a little more elusive defensively than, and he's been pretty damn elusive defensively. So what I would kind of recommend to people is if you haven't done this already, go back and watch those two kickboxing fights because they're glaring. They're glaring. I mean, you can look at it on topology. You can look at it on a page and be like, oh, well, Alex Pereira beat this dude twice and he knocked him dead in the second fight. The record, sure. If you look at it from that lens, Yeah. But if you go and actually watch the fights, I actually thought Adesanya won the first fight. I'm not going to like come out and scream robbery or anything, but I thought Adesanya won the first fight. In the second fight, I thought he was winning the second fight until he got knocked out. So, Izzy's just got to be smart. He's just got to be smart. He cannot do what Sean Strickland did and just get in his face and try to like bolt him out of there. I feel like if I'm if I'm going in there and city is like, "Hey, what are you going to tell Adesanya right now? I'm going to be like, just do what you've been doing and you'll win. Like you have a very good chance to win. If he just stays, uses his length very well and just stays away, picks his shots, uses his quickness to get in and out, stays elusive defensively. He's got a very good chance to win. Now Pereira is just a monster and he can absolutely crack, but Adesanya has been in there with lots of guys who could absolutely crack and he's been able to stifle most of them. So I, I, I'm taking Adesanya to win that fight. I think it's going to be a very similar fight to a lot of his last couple of title defenses. Are we going to be screaming that this is the most exciting fight of all time? I don't think so. But who cares? Saudi is going in there and he's going to win. He's he's just going to go in there and try to win. And if you don't like it, fix it. Go in there and knock about. But I I feel like Adesanya is going to win. I don't feel like I have to change anything with him. I feel like if he just fights the way he's been fighting, he has a very good chance to win. Just don't get knocked out. Don't get knocked out and you'll win.
6: But that's why I'm not a coach. Four-quarter sports. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Hey, so I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine after the Jose Aldo uh, news broke out and – it's unfortunate. I just feel like the casual audience is always going to remember Jose for uh, losing to Connor. I was speaking to some of my friends who watch uh, MMA, and then some of them watch MMA casually. And they're all saying that, uh, you know, even though he had like a good run for, in his WEC days and early uh, UFC career, they mainly remember him as for him losing to Connor. I mean, it just sucks. That's what some of the people that I've been speaking to um, refer to. You know about Josie's career. I mean, obviously, people that watch the sport, you know, immensely. That's not how they view him. But um, yeah, I wanted to point that out. I also wanted to talk about the, the um, Corey Sanhagen and Song Dong. Now, how did you, I? I don't remember exactly if you pointed out like how did you have the um, both fighters going into the fifth round. Like, what was your scorecard? I mean, I had a Corey three to one. But I hear that Marlon Vera wants to fight Corey Sanhagen. I know I I told uh, A.K. A.K. Lee that uh, Cheeto Vera to me is leading the way in this uh, mini Grand Prix. But should Cheeto take this fight or should he just sit it out just because of the fact that I mean he's the only one that has had the knockout since um, in the in, in these uh, recent Bantawee, uh fights. And who would you favor in the matchup between Sanhagen and Marlon Vera? Just because uh, Sanhagen. I mean, the way that he looked on uh, on Saturday looked pretty impressive, and that up elbow. I mean, man, instantaneously he ended up cutting up song with that. So I don't know. I to me, I would love to see the matchup, but I mean, what would you prefer? You would you prefer Marlins to sit it out or take the fight? All right, thanks, Mike.
3: Thanks, buddy. Um, Marlon's not gonna. Marlon's not going to be a picky guy. He's not the kind of guy that's going to say no to any kind of a fight. So if the UFC presents him with this one, he's he's going to say yes to it. I completely agree with you that he is the guy right now. So it's tough to match make this division, especially at the top of it, because we don't have. We have to figure out what happens at UFC 280 first. We get to see who wins the title fight between Sterling and Dillashaw but the main thing is we need to see what happens in the Sean O'Malley-Piotr Jan fight. Because if Sean O'Malley wins and beats (laughs) Piotr Jan, he's fighting for the belt. He's getting the next title shot. Whether it's quote-unquote deserved or not, he is fighting for the title. So then it kind of changes things. But if Piotr Jan does what he is favored to do, which is go in there and beat Sean O'Malley, then I think Vera gets the next title shot. I think Vera's the front runner right now. I think he's the guy. And if O'Malley doesn't win, I think Vera should get the next shot. And then you do Sandhagen versus Marab. And I'm cool with that. I'm totally fine with that. But Vera's going to fight whoever the UFC tells him to fight. He's not going to say no. He's not going to be like, well, let me think about this strategically because if this happens and this happens and I sit this one out, maybe I'll get the title fight. That's not how Vera is. That's not the type of fighter he is. He's just going to be like, all right. You want me to fight this guy? You want me to fight two guys in the same night? I will. Okay, sure. Just line them up, and I'll fight them. I would favor... I mean, it's a tough one. Because Sanhagen, from a like high-level mixed martial arts perspective, is probably the better fighter and probably has more tools. But Vera is just on a roll right now. And everything he touches just goes down. We saw it in the Font fight. We saw it in the Cruz fight. Every time he touched both of those guys, they fell to the ground. He is just bringing in some incredible power to this division right now. So I would look at it from a betting perspective and give my – I would say Sanhagen's probably going to be the favorite. So I would – I mean, if someone's like – I always play this hypothetical game. Someone hands you $20 with the only – Thing you could do with it is bet on that fight or it dissolves and you don't get to do anything with it. I'm probably taking Marlon Vera dog buddy there because I think there's value there with Vera against anybody, but it's a great fight. Love to see it. I just don't know if we're going to see it next. kind of have to wait and see what happens October 22nd, which is early afternoon MMA UFC 280. I'm very excited about that. Let's go to Kareem. Kareem, are you there? Do you hear me, Mike? Yes, I got hey, you. How are how you, sir? Doing? Everything good? Everything's good, man.
7: Um, I would like to talk about this. Um, well, obviously, the, the big news, the Jose Aldo news. I don't know if you remember me. Uh, we talked on another edition of Heck of a, uh, Heck of a Morning a bit before um, Jose's fight against Morab. And I laid down this scenario in which if Jose loses against Morab, could it be his last fight? And could we imagine Jose laying down the gloves? Um, on that night, and rightfully so, I think echoing uh, everything that we felt about this, you said, I, you, you, I remember you said, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about the, the perspective of all those S- retirements. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. it seemed this is, this is what happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Jose Aldo fan, and I'm heartbroken about the news, although, you know, uh, every career must uh, eventually reach its end. My, 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 my question. It is about um, UFC's booking of that that, that match against between uh, Jose and Morab. And your opinion on the fact that... Um, how do you think the UFC feels knowing that they booked this match, uh, Morab against Jose, uh, given that it's... Honestly, it's a lose-lose for everyone. It's a lose-lose for Morab because it was underwhelming. Uh, Dana didn't like them, the, the, the match and didn't like Morab's performance. And most likely that that did not up his stock as much as murab would have wanted it's also a lose, a lose between because well jose is not going for the belt and you know fast forward is retiring and third why it's a lose-lose situation is because well murab said he will not fight um Germain sterling if uh aljo retains against uh, delishaw so what do you think the ufc feels about this this entire deal you know in retrospect with jose's retirement thank you mike
3: Thanks, buddy. I would say buyer, they have buyer's remorse right now. And I think they had I, I think they realized probably after the second round of that fight that they had buyer's remorse. They were like, "Ah, probably shouldn't have done that, especially on that card. Because here's the thing, like I I knew Altitude would play a factor at that card. I didn't think it would play as much of a factor as it played. I didn't think Salt Lake City was Mexico City or Denver or anything like that. And it turned out it was pretty bad. So I think in hindsight, if you were going to book that fight, you should have done it literally anywhere else. And maybe we would have got something different. Now, I thought Aldo was still going to win. I hated the matchmaking from Jump Street because, like you said, it did nothing. Like, if Aldo beats Barab, all it does is be like, okay – He should have got the title shot anyways. Now he should just still get the title shot. And then for Mirab, like, the only thing that helps that case is if he just goes out there and just crushes Aldo. He just mows him down and, like, 30 is him. But that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. So, I don't know. It's just kind of crazy to to think about. So, uh, hang on one second, everybody.
2: that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
3: All right. Sorry about that. Like I said at the beginning, get the AC going in and going to be more work than we thought uh yeah but i think the ufc just is biased remorse because i mean they gain nothing from this fight they gain nothing they gain um they put brab's in literally the same situation he's in right now that he like he's in the same situation like if dillashaw wins the belt he's not fighting for the belt next he's not so it did nothing for either guy and that stinks, but it is what it is. And listen, I have been very – I've been less – I've been pretty – I praise the matchmakers for a lot of this stuff. I think they've they've booked some good ma- – I think they've done a good job for the most part. This one was a head scratcher. And we can't all be perfect. And we can't all get everything right. But that was a bad one. I knew it was a bad one from the p- beginning. turned out it was actually worse than I thought it was going to be, but – here we are. Can't take it back, and now Aldo can enjoy a new chapter in his life. Let's go to Average Avenues. Hello. What's up, buddy? I'm okay. I'm okay.
6: Um,
3: I don't know. I don't really got much, you know.
4: Um, I'm just, you know, upset about, you know, uh, well, I don't know if even upset's the right word about Aldo like, retiring. Um, okay, I think I've got something. It's a bit random. If if um you need you, you you sell to us why he deserved to be in the hall of fame, like you're the one pitching it. If you had to pitch it to us like in a sentence or something, why Jose Aldo deserved a slot spot in the Hall of Fame. Okay, have a good day, man. Cheers.
3: I mean I'm mean, gonna need more than a sentence, but I think the easiest way to say it is there might be a comment here but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't care what Joe Rogan says. Jose Aldo is the greatest featherweight of all time. There's your answer. And anybody out there who doesn't agree with that sentiment and anybody else who feels like Max Holloway is the greatest featherweight of all time, anyone who says right now that Alexander Volkanovsky is the greatest featherweight of all time, you are wrong. Now, could in two or three years... Volkanovski be the greatest featherweight of all time? Sure. He's on the path. There's no doubt about it. But anybody who says that either of those two guys are greater in history at 145 pounds than Jose Aldo, you are insane. And you're wrong. Jose Aldo is the greatest featherweight of all time. He is far and away the greatest featherweight of all time. Volkanovski can close the gap. Holloway cannot. It's a two-horse race. And Aldo is a thoroughbred right now in that conversation. Volkanovsky is a very good guy, and he just needs to get some more wins. needs to get some more wins against some ranked, relevant guys. But he's close. Skill for skill-wise, he's damn close. But he just doesn't have the resume that Jose Aldo has. Jose Aldo is the greatest 145er of all time. Look at this division. Look at how deep it has been over the years. That is the dude. He is the dude. The greatest. And there's a lot of other accolades that I could run off, but if you are the best of all time at something, you are a Hall of Famer. And he is the best 145 pound fighter of all time, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't care that Holloway beat Aldo. Doesn't matter. Hey, Mike. Tristan. Hello. Hey, Mike. Yeah, How are you?
8: Um, I enjoyed that opening that you have to say about Jose Aldo. I'm pretty sad for myself that I didn't get to watch him in the WEC. And also, it's going to be also sad because the Korean Zombie may retire at some point. Frankie Edgar, these guys were all in the WEC. I didn't get to watch the WEC to probably till, probably maybe the last fight. I think that was against Anthony Pettis versus Ben Henderson. That was like the only fight I watched at WEC. I'm, I'm pretty sad that, you know, I didn't get to watch Aldo in his prime. But, you know, I got to watch him at least. And kudos to Jose Aldo and what he's done. Those like I mean, he will be known as probably the best leg kicker calf kicker in the UFC. His leg kicks are memorable. And I just, man, I always wish he could just, later in his career, I wish he was still was able to do it. Maybe he would have won against Piotr Jan, I don't know. But maybe that was, he couldn't do it anymore. But still just kudos to Jose Aldo and everything, what he's done. He's great, he's wonderful. And you're right, he is the greatest featherweight right now. I mean, by all time, uh, the greatest featherweight that ever lived in the UFC. Until someone else can pass him up, but right now, I'm I'm sticking to that. You're absolutely right. Um, my, I also want to look towards uh, what happened at UFC Vegas 60. I want uh I want to look at fighter spotlight on um, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Um, I think at the post fight, uh, after um, I said I commented, I said he looked like a middleweight version of Cain Velasquez. But I think you even put it even better. You you said he you know, kind of resemblance of Kobe Covington, and you're spot on on that. I mean, the pace is tremendous. His takedowns were just unbelievable. I mean, he went in there and fought uh, Burriott, a tough Canadian, tough guy. And I watched the fight over again yesterday. Burriott was done after that first round; like he he got tired, and it looked like. Anthony Hernandez was not even breathing hard he was just like he was the same throughout the whole three rounds and he was just putting so much pressure dropped man, dropped this guy on his head it was like oh my goodness and he just just kept on him ground and pound and then submission and ground and pound just beating him up and then was able to uh choke him out in the third round I'm this guy, uh, Fluffy, has just been really impressed me tremendously. I mean, I think he had come off that loss against Kevin Holland in the first round, and I think he was, Fluffy was pretty much an afterthought at that point. But what really, I think, gained a lot of people's attention, Now I know Jose Young had said, yeah, that's, that fight doesn't age well, but when I watched that fight against Rodolfo Vieira, and Vieira was coming in with a lot of hype. This guy is a, a champion Brazilian jiu-jitsu known throughout the whole Brazilian jiu-jitsu world. And for what Anthony was able to do in that fight, that made me pay attention to him a little bit more like, holy smokes, this guy's able to do that. Hold on. Let me look at him a little bit more closely. And then, you know, he had the job. I think he beat uh, Josh Frem, I believe. And, you know, United's decision. And then just to put on the pace on Berriot was just incredible. And... I like I like your idea, but I had on I know I had him against um, Joaquin Buckley, but I like your idea better. Have him fight um, Chris Curtis, and uh, you know that's that's the fight to make because Chris Curtis probably has a hundred percent defense, takedown defense, and if you know, and mind you, I didn't even know I went to look at the UFC, not the MMA global rankings, which matters. I don't think he's not. I don't think Chris Curtis is even ranked, but in the UFC official rankings. He's ranked number 15. I think him and then uh, Gregory Robocop, Robocop Rodriguez, both of them have, need one more fight, and those two need to get in the top 15. I don't care. They, they just need one fight, and those two should be like knocking, be in the rankings after that. like At that, at some point, because if you have Anthony Fluffy Hernandez fight Chris Curtis and he's able to beat Chris Curtis, my goodness, watch out. Watch out for that guy, and then Gregory Rodriguez. I'll oh, have him fight Joaquin Buckley. Man, that would be a slugfest right then and there. And I think, uh, I think I, I'm picking. I'll pick Gregory Robocop over Joaquin Buckley in that fight. But uh, yep. you know, listen, people need to start paying attention to Fluffy because, again, this guy looks like Kobe Covington in there, and he could be a problem. Uh, your thoughts, Mike? Thanks for everything. Have a heck of a morning.
3: Thanks, man. And here's the thing about Anthony Hernandez. This dude is just, he's just a, like, he is a lot of times, like, fighters don't make that trend. Like, there are guys in our sport that we love so much that just go in there and friggin' fight. Like, they fight and they're fighters. And you could tell, like, if you ran into this dude on the street before he was in MMA or in the UFC or whatever he just fought people and you can tell like Anthony Hernandez is the dude who probably has like a hundred street fights, but and sometimes that that stays with you. And sometimes that's just who you are. You're just a very good, like a very good fighter that has a ton of heart and that can take you over certain places and you could you, but you have a ceiling. What Anthony Hernandez is doing is he's still that dude, but now he's becoming a mixed martial artist as well. It's not just about punching dudes in the face and knocking them out. It's about winning fights. And that Kevin Holland fight was a, was an eye-opener. It was an eye-opener. Because you saw it in the Hedolfo H- H- Vieira fight where the dude, like, he had the tremendous heart. Like, he was still a fighter in that fight. And you could tell watching it, from his coach's corners, watching him put in that arm and guillotine when Hernandez has Vieira badly, badly hurt. He's lighting him up on the feet. And then he goes in for the ghillie. And everyone's like, no, what are you doing? This fight IQ is horrible. And then he taps him, and everyone's like, yeah. It was like, it, it was just crazy. And he's becoming a high level mixed martial artist but still sort of that same street fighting mentality. That's a problem. The Josh Frem fight was great at UFC 273 because Josh is a great grappler. And those two were just scrambling all over the place. But Hernandez just had a little bit more. And then he just put the boots to Marc-Andre Barrio. There's nothing he could do to stop it. And Mark's a tough dude. And he got spiked on his damn head before he got submitted. That was some performance. They got something with this guy. They definitely have something with this guy. And I will I am curious to see what they do with him next. Now the one knock on Anthony Hernandez and hopefully this is something that can change over time. He's not the most durable guy. He gets injured quite a bit. Either in lead-ins to fights or like just after fights he's got a little boy that little bit of that wonderboy stigma behind him where like he'll just go in there and give you everything he got. And then he just kind of gets dinged up along the way. But seeing him fight twice this year is a really good sign. It's a really good sign because we haven't seen that from him in a while. 2019, we got two fights out of him. We got the Kevin Holland fight. That was it in 2020. We got the Vieira fight and that was it in 2021. And so far he's got two fights in 2022. So If he can stay healthy and stay active and keep getting in there, I think the UFC has something with this guy. So super impressed with him. Super impressed. One of the, uh, like in the NHL after hockey games, they always give like a three stars of the game. Hernandez is one of the three stars of USC Vegas 60. No doubt about it. Let's keep this going. Kenichi, you're up. Hello, are you there?
9: Hey, sorry, Mike. Can you hear me?
3: I got you, man. How are you? How are you
9: doing? Uh, Thanks. I'm good. Um, Yeah, you know, I uh, yeah, I appreciate what you said about uh, Jose at the beginning. You know, I I, uh, am like a, I guess I would say I'm a relatively like newer fan to UFC and MMA. Like, I started watching probably like eight or nine years ago, kind of right after Jose lost to McGregor. You know, so I was definitely like guilty of being, you know a guy that kind of thought, oh, you know, my first th- few fights I saw him fight were, like, you know, two losses to Max and then, like, Volkanovsky after right But um, I was able to go back, watch some old fights, and like, really kind of, you know, develop my own, like, respect for him, you know? And so... And actually, uh, someone mentioned a little earlier about the Korean Zombie, too. You know, when Jose lost that last fight against Murab and he kind of went on his knees, you know, I kind of felt like similar emotions when I watched uh, Korean Zombie lose to Volkanovsky because he kind of, like, you know, collapsed and fell on his knees too because, you know, there's guys that kind of stick around and, you know, maybe they know their run to the title's not there anymore, but, you know, they want to get paid. They want to have some fun fights and, you know, stick around, you know, just keep going. But I feel like with those two guys, it's like, you know, they're fighting because they want to be number one, right? Or, like, you know, like, the money is great, but it's like they want to be the greatest. And so I feel like in those two moments you kind of saw that, like, realization maybe or that moment of just like man this might not happen but um but I guess my question is you know because I you know I do consider myself like I would consider myself a hardcore casual fan I guess you know where I'm like I don't know like everyone on the regional scene coming up like I still primarily only watch UFC but I guess for the newer fans especially in this like COVID era and and the ESPN kind of deal where UFC just blown up a lot and gotten a lot more fan base, um, ca- you know, casual fan base. Like, I, this is a hard question to answer maybe on the spot, but, like, what what would you recommend to, like, really maybe new fans to develop, like, more respect or to develop, like, more of a, a rich history of the UFC, you know? I was At first I was going to ask, like, what are, like, five fights we could watch from the beginning to the, you know, maybe the first 20 years, but then I don't think you can probably sum it up in, like, five fights, but... I guess, yeah, just, I I don't know if my question makes sense, but just, like, how, how can people go back and really just learn and see how where this sport's developed, you know? It's a lot different now. There's, like, kids that have been doing MMA, like, their whole life coming up now rather than kind of one discipline. But, yeah, you know, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful sport and thing to watch, and I just respect all fighters. But, you know, there's a lot of history in the UFC, too, that I'm missing out on as well. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on that. Thank you.
3: Thanks, man. Yeah, you know, I've talked about this a lot. I know Ariel's talked about it a lot on the MMA Hour, and, you know, I've been kind of tooting this horn for a few years now, especially since the pandemic, because we got so many new fans. As much as I love this sport, and as much as I love the UFC, and I know the UFC has their quote-unquote Hall of Fame, but they do not do a good job of sort of honoring the past talking about where the sport has come from reliving history. Now they provide platforms to do that. So you could go the extra mile and, and do different things, but hopefully seeing guys like Aldo, seeing guys like Edgar, who's about to retire. I know there's others as well. Hopefully they could set things up, maybe outline the ESPN plus app or UFC Fight Pass and just have like put the, the greatest of all Aldo catalogs together or just help find the way to, to introduce this guy because I mean some of his earlier fights are very difficult to find but once he gets to the WEC you can find all of those fights on Fight Pass or for the most part you can go back and watch it and the beautiful thing about his WEC run especially the first five or six fights is that you just go watch him, and it doesn't take you a lot. Like, a lot of time. Eight minutes and 22 seconds, his first fight. Ten minutes, 45 seconds, the second fight. Four minutes and 15 seconds, the third fight. Minute 39, the fourth. Eight seconds, the fifth. 6.20, the sixth. That's when he won the belt. Favors a decision, but it's a great fight. Then he starches Manny. And then he goes to, on the UFC run. And so I guess, like... What I'll tell new fans, if you want to watch like the best of Jose Aldo, I'd watch both Chad Mendez fights because you got to see sort of both sort of both sides of Aldo, the absolute murderer, Jose Aldo, but then you got to see the Jose Aldo who had to bite down his mouthpiece and overcome adversity. The Chad Mendez just go watch that. If you have never watched Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez 2 at UFC 179, do yourself a favor. The second this is over, the second you have a half an hour to spare, like if you want to, if you have a treadmill in your house and you can log into Fight Pass or something, and you want to go on like a nice little jog or a nice little walk on your treadmill, and you want to have something that's going to pass the time go watch Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendes too, because the fight is amazing. In my opinion, at worst, it's the second greatest 145 pound fight of all time. And in my opinion, it is a top 10 is one of the top 10 greatest title. it Not title fights. This is one of the top 10 best fights of all time, in my opinion. So go watch that. It's tremendous. It's amazing. And if you want to, and I guarantee you, after watching that fight, you're going to be like, holy shit, I have to go back and watch more of this guy. That fight, is, it's unbelievable, and it doesn't get enough credit for being as great as it is. But, yeah, you're going to have to kind of do that thing on your own because the UFC and Bellator and those promotions, they're not going to guide you through history at all. Troy, hello. What's going on, Mike? What's going on?
10: Just, uh, just wondering if you heard anything. Lately on Covington, Shamayev, what's going on with that? Really, really want to see that fight. I think it's the only fight that makes sense, regardless of what Uncle Chael says.
3: Thank you, Troy. Uh, Nothing. Honestly, nothing. We'll see. This is going to be a tough one. This will be. Yeah, this is going to be one of those things that. Like, Akimoto's going to tweet it because Hunter Campbell texted him something. And then it, it's just going to be a weird build to whenever that happens. But I already laid out how I would do it. If Colby's in and Hamzad is in and they both want to do it, just get rid of Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson. Get that fight off that Orlando card. Put it on the pay-per-view and headline that card in Orlando with Colby and Hamzad. You got time. You got more time than you had with the Diaz build. So do that. Book those guys five rounds. Make it a big deal. You, it's in Florida. You're in Colby country, so to speak. Colby's the baby face in that type of scenario. That's when you do it. But I've heard nothing. I've heard absolutely nothing about it.
2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
3: Let's go to Beal. Then we'll go to crypto, then we'll go to Mosa, and then we'll get to our regs. Beal, what's up? Beal. Hello.
5: Hello. There Sorry, we go. How are you? Uh, oh, All good. Hey, oh, just to uh, add.
3: Oh, snap.
5: <laughs> Little Luda, some old school Luda. Nice. <laughs> you know, got to keep my, my morning drive going. Uh, uh, what's it called? I just wanted to join in on this commiseration for our boy, Jose Aldo. I, I started watching MMA. Oh, man. Started really picking up for the UFC and the WEC, and man, Joe De Aldo felt like this. It felt like the second coming of Anderson Silva with just his dominance and his mind-blowing uh, athleticism and everything. And then uh, around 2013, I kind of fell off following MMA closely, and then uh, 2017 uh, comes around and I started getting back into it. And I'm like, who the fuck is this Conor McGregor guy? And why is why is why did he knock out? fucking jose aldo in five seconds and uh man just the way he got done in his the end of his career really is upsetting i'm kind of beside myself with this tj dillashaw title fight i mean they let korean zombie have a crack at the title you know at the end of his career i don't know why they couldn't do jose aldo the same uh so yeah i I don't know not much else to say about that love jose hope everything works out well for him uh but the question i do have is kind of uh, silly what do you think you would ever have a uh, a fan or a guest uh be a uh, a contestant on btl uh i know i personally would love to get roasted by jed machu just just once in my life uh thanks mike have a heck of a, a morning
3: uh probably not but I can't. I I can't get into all of it, but um, we have been working on. I personally, behind the scenes, have been working on something uh, for about a year now. We haven't really, because I'm not just gonna like do it unless it's perfect and it's right. But I have ideas to do shows uh, that would get the fans involved. So it might be something we do in 2023, but. I would love to do a sort of MMA game show with the peeps uh, and maybe some folks with MMA fighting as well. Uh, I got some ideas because if you've followed me enough, I've told you this a million times, while other kids in my class in, in elementary school wanted to be firefighters and professional athletes and things like that, Uh, I mean, if I was a professional baseball player, I would have loved that. But I always wanted to be a game show host. So I have been trying to find a way to do this the correct way. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll figure it out. Uh, We will do something game show related sometime in the next six to eight months. So it'll be a fan show. BTL is just a lot. It's I mean, it's a lot. Um so I wouldn't probably put a fan on that, but I have ideas to get the fans involved for shows, if that makes sense. So stay tuned. Let's go to Crypto. What's up, buddy? You can hear me. Oh,
11: yeah, j- I can. J- just to continue the discussion, I mean, for, for ever, anyone that is new, uh, to MMA, I just want to put things in perspective because, Mike, what is the toughest thing to do in MMA? It is to get the title and to defend it. And if we look at Jose Aldo, I mean, he he had a run with 18 fights in a row that he won, and nine of those were title defenses. If we include the WEC, that's almost a decade, Mike, almost 10 years that no one could beat uh, could beat Aldo. He's an absolute legend, and I mean, like Volkanovski, I think he has four title defenses. If I'm not wrong, four or five, something like that. So, I mean, it's a shame, and I agree with you uh, about the things you said uh, regarding Marab. But we we kind of saw this coming, right? I mean, Marab told uh, told us that uh, Jose declared this to him inside Octagon after the fight. So, yeah, I. It wasn't a huge surprise, to be honest with you, but uh, an absolute legend. And once again, 18 fights, nine title defenses. That run was just crazy. Um, And and a good transition, Mike, here is to my actual question. So uh, when he eventually lost, he he did this uh, to Conor McGregor. And what the hell is happening with Conor McGregor, Mike? Have you seen uh, the recent uh, clip on Twitter and also... uh, I think there was like a voice, voice clip. I mean, honestly, Mike, I- I'm at a stage now, and I don't want to jinx it, but I'm not even sure if we will ever see Connor again. I- I'm truly worried about his mental state. I mean, he seems more and more isolated from reality. Posts very strange things, and uh, and I'm I- I'm not talking about this whole steroid discussion. It's not about that. Just his mental state. It's just so weird. He's become this really cringy guy. I mean, it's it's just so uncomfortable to watch and see. So, yeah, Mike, I actually, yeah, I'm going to finish off here. I, I want you, your take on that. Is there a risk that we will not see Conor McGregor again in the UFC? Because, I mean, he, he's just completely crazy. Thank you, Mike.
3: Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. I have no clue. I would assume, yes, we will see him again because I think Connor still wants to box and do all those things, and he won't be able to unless he fights in the UFC. He's under contract. He's got two, from what I understand, he's got two fights left in his deal. I don't know that for, for sure, but that seems to be the consistent number. So and if he wants to go box or go fight Nate Diaz a third time and make more money, for that fight than he would in the UFC. He's got to have these two fights first. So I do think he will come back. I don't think much of this kind of strange road he's on, but I don't know. I didn't even, I I, I gotta be honest. I didn't even watch. I didn't even listen to the uh, recording because every time I get sucked into that, I, I regret doing it. So once I, hit stop on the recording of on to the next one. I was like, Nope, I am off Twitter unless I have to be, which is basically just here and to promote BTL when it happens. But yeah, I I have no idea what happened, but yeah, I think he'll fight. I think we'll see him sometime next year against who. I don't know when I don't know, but yeah, I, I mean, I get why you're asking the question, but I have no insight on it. I just, I, I, I kind of stopped following that saga for a while. Let's go to Mosa. Hello.
12: Good. Um, I have a theory about uh, the Jose Aldo. Is it uh, didn't they give him maybe a title fight because he had only two uh, fights in his contract and um, Al Aljamin fight was a very winnable fight for a guy like Jose Aldo. And uh, he could have uh, defended it against De uh, uh, Dela Show, and they didn't want to risk another case like Engano, where the champion uh, threatened to leave the UFC, and in case of uh, Aldo, he could leave, and he he basically doesn't have to fight anymore because he proven everything he has to in the UFC. And uh, my second take is about Kamzat Shimaev. Everybody says that he should go, Uh, not everybody, but a lot of people say that he should go up in the middleweight because uh, Izzy uh, basically has no one to fight, especially if he uh, wins his next fight. But do we really want to see Kamzat fight Izzy? Because uh, as much as a lot of people don't like it, but Izzy's really hard to take down and if Hamza doesn't take him down you have a fighter who has uh, all the hype and then you lose him against Izzy thank you Mike thank
3: you yeah I mean I guess I guess I understand the Aldo theory but this is different than Francis in my opinion this is Aldo wasn't making things public I mean he was saying like if I win the title I'm retiring he did say that but he wasn't like Demanding more money. He wasn't demanding to go box Tyson Fury. Um, not that... And by the way, nothing Francis has been saying is wrong at all. Uh, so just want to throw that out there. But you also have to consider the division that we're in right now. Bantamweight is ridiculous. And even if Jose Aldo wins the belt and leaves the company, so what? You have six... You have like six dudes ready to fight for the belt. And now... We're we're doing a little mini Bantamweight Grand Prix anyways. Why don't we just make some stakes? Let's put some freaking stakes on it. The UFC doesn't want to have fun. They don't want to do fun things. They feel like all those just got to be like Alundra Blaze and just go to Bellator and drop the UFC title in the trash. Like This wasn't going to happen. This is a dude that would have won the belt. He would have laid it down in the ring. He would have said, thank you. I'm out of here. And that's it. And then they would just crown a new champion like three months later. So I, I don't necessarily buy into that theory. I get where you're coming from, but I don't think it's the same as the Ingano situation at all. And then with the Hamzad thing, yeah, I think, like I said, they're going to go, they're going to try to do Covington. If they can't get Covington done, they'll do Costa. And that, and if he goes and fights Costa, it doesn't mean he's a middleweight. It doesn't mean he's staying there. It just means that this is the biggest fight they could do right now because he's not getting a title fight. They're not going to do anything that's going to risk anything else. That's it. They're going. Those are the two fights he's, that he could possibly get right now. So, yeah, I don't think he's fighting Izzy anytime soon. And I don't think Izzy at middleweight is going to last much longer either because, again, what else does he need to do? He's beaten everybody. He's beaten everybody. The only guy he hasn't beaten is Sean Strickland, who got knocked out by the dude he's fighting November twelfth. And he hasn't beaten Alex Pereira yet. And there's a story there. But if he goes out there and beats Pereira, like there's literally nothing else this man needs to do. He can just go right up to 205. And take it seriously. Not just go up for a one off, but take a year off and bulk up and get that frame sized out. And then go fight a 205. I think those I think that time is coming pretty soon. Let's go and tag in ahead. All right, whoever is in line now that hasn't spoken yet, we will get to you, and then we have to go ahead. Hello,
13: me. Yes. All right, Mike. So first, I have to put my hands up and just say, "You were right, and I was wrong." Okay, about the Aldo yeah. getting a title shot—not about the Hamza in the power pound, pound top twenty. That's still ludicrous. But Aldo getting the title shot—you were right. You were right. Congrats. Like in hindsight is a beautiful thing. I was the one challenging you, saying Dillashaw and Cejudo should have got it. You were right. He like Aldo was the most deserving. It made sense. You should have done Marab and Cejudo and TJ and Jan. Cause if TJ looked like the 2017 Dillashaw against Sanhagen, then I would have still I would have challenged you. I would have said stick TJ in a title shot, no matter what, because that TJ was a lot of fun. But um, I, I wanted to ask you Mike Jose's gone, do you feel like we're nearing the end of an era Mike an end of the best era of MMA and what will happen afterwards because look at this, because Ariel tweeted something and then there were three, Jose's gone, uh, Cormier's gone GSP gone, Anderson gone uh, Connor's getting older John Jones is getting older, are we nearing the end of like the best era in MMA and then what's going to happen after, I know people say it's going to be new stars and everything but This feels like how we. How can something get better than this? And also, ADCC happened this past weekend. I don't usually follow submission grappling because it's really tedious to watch. But Gordon Ryan is just destroyed everybody like in no sport let alone combat sports have we ever seen this before and he should he go to mma and should he just like dominate mma and lastly mike um chidi lost but chidi is still my guy the same way arman sarukian lost and arman's still your guy so the lines have been drawn mike like chidi's my guy drop the mic mike
3: thanks buddy good stuff um Yeah, listen, Chidi is going to have a very successful career in the UFC. He's not going to fight for a title. He's not going to be a champion. But he's going to be a very well-liked, must-watch guy. The fight with Gregory was exactly what we expected. Pure chaos. And if Chidi lands that knee up the middle against literally anybody else in this division, we're not talking about Gregory Rodriguez coming back and winning. We're talking about Chidi... Landing a beautifully timed knee up the middle that almost killed a man. But Gregory Rodriguez is not just a man, he's half machine too, apparently, because somehow he withstood that and his nose almost falling off his face and still won the damn fight. Incredible stuff. Gordon Ryan's a freak. He's the best no gi grappler in the history of no gi grappling. I don't care if he's on the sauce, I don't care what he's on, it doesn't matter. I don't care. He is leaps and bounds ahead of anybody. And there is an amount of performance-enhancing drugs, if you want to say that about him, because I've seen it everywhere. And maybe it is. Who cares? But Gordon Ryan would have done the same thing to all of those dudes, no matter what. So he's that good. Should he go to MMA? I don't know. I mean, he could. He's, he's signed with one, so if he's going to fight – He'll fight under the one banner. And I can assure you that one will not put him in there with like, they'll just put him in there with a dude with like no takedown, with like no takedown ability. Gordon will just take dude down, smush him, tap him, he'll hook him and he'll win. Um But I talked to Gordon like right after he signed with one and I don't know if he fights. I just don't know if he does. I think he's got a lot left in grappling He's accomplished almost everything you need to, but I just think he wants to set himself so far apart from everybody else that's ever done it that I don't know if he fights. And he's, he told me that if he does MMA, you're not going to see him do anything for a while. For like a long time. He's going to spend all this time just getting ready for MMA. So he won't be doing grappling tournaments. You won't see him anywhere else. He will just be preparing for MMA and then he will just be an MMA fighter. So it's just a matter of like, does he want to get rid of the competitive grappling side and just focus on MMA? Cause if he does it, he's going to be all in on it. So I don't think, I think he will fight at some point. I don't think he's going to fight anytime soon, but I, 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 I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. We'll move on here because uh, we're running short on time. Toke, let's go to you, and then we'll go to Zeke. Toke, what's up, buddy?
10: I'm sorry for trolling you for content the other day with the uh, off oh, no. Um I, I did that to bring out the Boston mic in you. Uh, it was, it was, that, was the, <laughs> that was the only reason. Just to know that I'm a, i con- am i was a content creator myself, so that's why I knew it would be good content. Um, so You're right. what, <laughs> what I'm wondering is, uh, two things. I have one with uh, Dana white because he uh, keeps talking about how he's not going into boxing and then he fans us all the time with Callum Walsh. And I don't know what his relation is to Callum Walsh. So I'm uh, wondering about that. And then also we're talking all though such a shame that he's retired the way uh, to go, but it sounded like he wants to do, uh, he just doesn't want to do MMA anymore. So, what I want to know is, is he actually fully released, so if he could go to, let's say, a one to do Muay Thai World Championships and stuff like that, or is he, is he tied to UFC in any way?
3: Well, thanks. So... I mean, Toke, I, I appreciate you just jumping out of your car on the middle in the middle of the highway to 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 chime in here. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, from from all indications, he, I don't think he can fight for one. I don't think he can fight like I know it's a, it's not technically MMA, but I think that would kind of go against the terms of his release in a way. Um, so I, don't, I, I honestly don't know like the whole ins and outs of it, but from all accounts, he is free to box he's free to compete otherwise like he go do you know adcc and all that stuff if he wants to he can go i don't know like i don't know if he can go to glory or anything like that i mean i I don't think that should be a problem i don't think he'll go to one i don't think that would work so i think he just wants to box. like i think if he's going to compete again he's going to box i think he just he's wanted to box for a long time and i think that's what he'll end up doing but i don't think he can go to one or he would go to one. But I haven't talked to his team or anything like that. But from all indications, terms of his releases, it's kind of a gentleman's agreement. We'll let you out, but like you can't fight MMA anymore, dude. And he was probably like, no, 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 all right, I'll just go box. So I think if we see him compete, he'll box. But I honestly don't know. We'll see what happens.
14: Let's go to Zeke. My man, Mike, how are you? I'm going to be as short and sweet as possible. Let's try and, uh, yeah, let's get into this week. I'm kind of, you know, distraught that we don't have an event coming up, but it's okay, you know, good little break from MMA. I hope you enjoy your vacation. Uh, Yeah, you just got into it about two, three calls ago. Greg Rodriguez, not Gregory, as Dana White would (laughs) refer to him, Mr. Greg is quite the spectacle. I mean, if it was me, I would have saw my face if I could even have like a mirror in the ring. Obviously, you can't. I would have just cried. I would have crumbled up into a ball and died. I literally saw my brain. T D and Jaquani threw a perfectly timed knee that would have killed legitimately anyone. He would have. I, I. I don't know. Legitimate, legitimate, immediate CTE. Greg stood in there and just legitimately turned RoboCop mode. That guy is a freak. I don't know if. It's the Barack Obama look alike, I don't know if it's just the way he fights. That guy, I think, needs to be pushed a little bit. He has everything. He can grapple a little bit and strike moving forward. Uh, I want to say Corey Sanhagen fumbled the bag a little bit by not calling anyone out, but this is the funkiest thing in the world where I'm like, you know what? I think there's like two or three matchups for him that suit well. He's clearly in the back of the line. Okay, I think he has. Obviously, I think you mentioned it on, on to the next one. Has to wait for the end of Jan O'Malley, and like you know, wait to see what that decision brings. However, if he gets Jan after the O'Malley win, which I don't think that would happen. I think O'Malley, if uh, he does get put down by Jan O'Malley, will end up getting pushed to Vera or somebody else lowering the line, and Jan will get the title. I think best case scenario for Sanhagen, TJ versus Aljo loser. I don't know. I think that just propels him higher in the division afterwards. Talk to me about that. And then uh, lastly, totally not a UFC question. Talk to me about the Patriots. One and one, a little funky. Mac Jones is kind of scaring me a little bit outside the pocket, but I think you guys are going to be okay because you got that guy named Bill Belichick on your sideline. Mike, be good.
3: Uh, Thank you, sir. I mean, listen, I... I don't expect much out of the Patriots this year. If they make the playoffs, that's going to be way beyond my expectations, but good win. I'll take it. And I mean, I hate to say it because I, I just despise the Buffalo bills, but they look like the real rail for sure. So should be real interesting. It's going to be rough when those two teams meet up and yikes. Um, Rodriguez, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think I, I think his stock rose tremendously, and if he just goes out and wins his next fight, I think he's heading in the right direction. I think he's... Done, they don't have the rockets strapped to him, but I think he's on rollerblades, and he's strapped to the back of a dirt bike. So that's good for him. And if he could stay on his feet and go pretty quickly, then he's in good shape. And then he can upgrade to a Lamborghini and then maybe get to the Rockets, but on, uh, yeah, I, I, that's got kind of, the Sanhagen one kind of tough. I don't think he's going to get the loser of Aljo Dillashaw because he's fought both those dudes pretty recently. Just fought TJ. If TJ wins the belts and Sanhagen wins another one, I guess you have a little bit of a story there because everybody for the most part felt that Sanhagen won that fight. Um, Although you can make a compelling case for Dillashaw too. I went back and watched that fight recently. It's closer than people think it is. And Sterling choked Sanhagen out in a matter of minutes. So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough road for Corey. I think he needs TJ to win the belt. But I, I mean, I, I get why people say he should have called somebody out, but he didn't really need to at this point. There's only two guys. You really have a chance of fighting at this point, And it's, Marlon and Marab. He just fought Jan. I don't think they're going to throw him in there with with O'Malley. If O'Malley loses to Jan, I think O'Malley will take a pretty good step back. Bottom end of the top 10. So I I think he did what he needed to do. I mean, there's not much else he could do. He's not going to cut a fiery promo. He doesn't need to because he doesn't have a ton of control in the situation. All right, we'll take two more. Abzualia, then we'll go to Moss 2K, and then we are getting out of here. Abzualia, hello.
13: Hi, what's hello. up, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. hi. Um, so I'm just going to keep it very brief and short, but i just got two things to ask you. The first one is, if Sean O'Malley wins against uh, Peter Jan, does he get the title shot, or does he have to fight maybe the winner of Corey versus Chiro? And my second question is, where do we go with Kelvin Gaslam? I mean, we have not heard anything about him since... I think his lost to Robert Whitaker, whoever he fought last. I mean, this guy has lost five five fights, only barely won one. Um, he's become irrelevant. He never really had a title shot ever. He was in the top 10 for about three, four years. He just went downhill, and he's only 30, 31. He's very young. I heard a rumor that he might go back down to 170, give it a shot there. What What's going on with him? What's your thoughts on there? And that's it. Thank you, man.
3: Um, I'll start with the O'Malley question. The answer is yes. I don't care if he wins a controversial split decision. If Sean O'Malley beats Peter Jan in any way, form, or fashion, he's fighting for the title. They're striking while the iron's hot. That's why he has this fight to begin with. It's a win-win for the UFC. I know kinda, you kind of you could potentially be stunting the growth of O'Malley in, in, in a weird way, but he's also a massive underdog, and there are very few people who feel that he, he could win that fight to begin with, so... It's either going to get chalked up as a he'll learn a lot from this fight, quote-unquote, or he gets a freaking title shot. (laughs) So the stakes are there. The juice is worth the squeeze. 100% if he wins, he's fighting for the title. Gaslam, no clue. He was supposed to fight at UFC 273 in April, that card in Jacksonville, because they kept, like, mixing fights around. And Gaslam was supposed to fight Drickis Duplessis. Gaslam got hurt, like, a week out from the fight. Yeah, had an injury that, that that took him out for a little while. So I don't know. Maybe goes to one seventy. Maybe stays at one eighty five. I mean, there's no reason for him to cut all that extra weight. Like, why would you put yourself through that? So yeah, I think he sticks at one eighty five, and he's just going to kind of be. He's going to be a litmus test for the GDPs, for the Gregory Rodriguezes, for the Fluffy Hernandezes. Those are the guys he's going to be fighting. But Gaslam still has a name. He's still part of one of the coolest and best title fights of all time with Izzy, that interim title fight in Atlanta. I mean, he's got, he's okay. He's just, this is where he is right now. And I think a lot of fighters end up there at some point and you win some of those fights and you lose some of those fights. So that's where he's at. He's a, he's a litmus test. He's, he's in gatekeeper mode right now. Middleweight's got some guys coming up and if they're ready for a top fifteen test, it's the Kelvin Gastlums. It's the Brad Tavares's. These are the guys that they fight, and you can have a pretty damn lucrative career being a litmus test. And who knows? You know, look at Tisha Torres. She was the she was the litmus test for a long time, and then she went out and got some wins, and a lot of people felt that she beat Mackenzie during in April. You could do very well in that position. But we'll see what happens. All right, Mas2K. Take us home, my man. Hey, what's up, Mike? You hear me? Yes, sir. How are you?
14: Oh, I got three questions. Um, what's next for Conor McGregor? And uh what do you think about what's his name? Um come shot versus uh Paolo? And also uh, what do you think? We see Marvin Vittori next. Is he done or you think he'll keep fighting somebody in his division?
3: Uh okay. Marvin's tough. Let me look. I mean Mar- Marvin's tough cuz he's he's the third best middleweight in the world in my opinion. He just he just ran into the second best middleweight in the world who is just far in away the second best middleweight in the world. Um, I could see Marvin fighting the winner or the loser of the Cannon Strickland fight. That's possible. Maybe Andre Muniz, if they want to give him a, a step up in competition, somebody like that. Maybe, maybe Marvin goes up to two Oh five. I think Marvin could do pretty well at two Oh five. If we're being honest, I think he could beat a lot of guys up there. So I don't know. Like, He's not in a horrible spot. It's just he's kind of in the spot we all thought he was in to begin with, that he was the third best middleweight in the world, (laughs) which is is damn good. Being the third best middleweight in the world is is pretty good. And I think he's the third best middleweight in the world. Like, it's Adesanya. Then it's a drop off to Whitaker. Then there's a significant drop to Vittori. And then there's, like, a pretty steady drop down from there to – Costa, Pereira, Cannoneer, and the rest. Yeah, Vittori's probably going to fight. He'll either fight like a Pereira, maybe a, or one of the Strickland-Cannoneer guys. Still an okay spot. Or maybe he goes up. Who the hell knows? Shemaev-Costa, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. It'd be a big fight. I think the UFC will will look to do Shemaev-Covington first. They can't get that done. Like I said earlier, it's a good plan B. What's next for Connor? Hell if I know. I have no clue. Like I, I don't I honestly have no idea what they're gonna do with him. We could play we could play some sort of game on that where it's like try to pick a date on the calendar, or we try to pick an opponent, because you could literally throw Connor in Connor could be matched up with about ten different guys right now, and all of them would make sense. You want to do Connor versus Ferguson? You could definitely do that. You want to do Connor versus Holloway? You could do that. You want to do Connor versus Justin Gaethje? You could do that. You want to do Connor versus Chandler? You could do that. I mean, like, look, I know some of these guys are booked right now. You, you got the Connor Poirier fight that's there. There's the, there's if Oliveira beats Makachev, you could like Connor could. There's a world we live in that Connor could come back and fight for the for the lightweight title. So there's just so many options. it's so it's almost impossible to to nail down an opponent right now. So it could be anything. I mean it could be absolutely anything at this point. And most of these things make sense, and you can make an argument for all of them. So I do think he'll fight next year. who I have no clue. But if Oliver beats Makachev, I would uh, I'd put that one in the top three. That's for damn sure. But all right, well you guys are great. You guys are the best. Some really good questions today. I went a little bit longer than I thought we were going to go, and that's because of the great questions. But back again on Thursday, we'll do it again, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here in the spaces. Uh, if you missed it, came in a little bit late. Whole show's going up on the podcast network in a matter of moments where you can listen to this and also a brand new show on the MA Fighting Podcasting Network. My man, Jose Youngs, has been talking about doing a show like this for a while, but the debut episode of Anything But Fighting is live on the Podcast Network. And this week, Jose speaks with Joseph Benavidez about Anything But Fighting, mostly movies. So check that out. Jose talking to fighters about all things Not fighting related, which is a tremendous idea. It's out of the box. It's unique. And this is a great episode. So go check that out. And we'll see you guys Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. It's going to be a busy day, everybody. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, have a heck of a morning.